Thank you for tuning in to our Hillside Baptist Church podcast. What a joy it was to come together for our 2023 Growing Together Conference for the purpose of edification and encouragement. The church today continues as a means to help people grow in Christ, and all those who serve at Hillside are great examples of Christ. Your ministry, whether it's check-in or teaching and everything in between, has an eternal effect on the lives of others. As because of this, we'd like to share with you our breakout sessions from our 2023 Growing Together Conference. Our teaching today, and you know, teaching is a lot like cooking. Um, you got to have the right ingredients. You have to have a teacher. You have to have students. You have to have a teaching method in order to be able to teach a lesson very well. You need a lesson plan with an objective. Just if you have a lesson plan and you don't have a why you're doing it, then you really don't have a plan. And you have to have an introduction, a body to the lesson, and you have to have an application. That's one of the main, if you don't have these ingredients, then your teaching is kind of just getting up in front of people and talking. <coughs> I've had a lot of that through the years. But where do we start? And I thought this was funny because a lot of things that I'm going to say, they've said in the others, so you're going to get okay. repeat. So where do you start? You start with prayer. And actually, that's where we're going to start. So let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together to be able to learn to teach, Lord, to reach the hearts. Lord, may all that we do today glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what do you need to know? The number one thing is you need to know yourself. You need to be the teacher. And the teacher is the leader in that classroom. You are influencing those students. So you have to know that you are the teacher. And if you're a person who you're always late and you know that, you need to be on time. You need to know yourself to, well enough to know you're not on time, be on time. You need to be prepared. You need to know the lesson and you need to be studying the Bible. I grew up a lot of times, and even when I first started teaching Sunday school many years ago, it was, the book was handed to us, and like most of the teachers, I looked at that book on Saturday night. I didn't look at it beforehand. I did not prepare myself. And most of the teachers that I had growing up, I could tell that that's exactly what they did, was they looked at it on Saturday night. And I walked out of the class having the same lessons taught to me every year and never ever growing in the Lord because I can tell you all about Noah and all the same stories over and over. But how they applied to my life, I had no idea. You need to be an encouragement. Even if you are having a bad day, you don't know what those kids are going through. So, and even the adults, you don't know what they're going through. So even if it's a forced <coughs> smile on your face, you know, you're in church. You know, but be excited also. Being an encouragement and being excited, being able to 
get up and tell people about the Lord and being able to be there, that should be something that you are you're showing that encouragement to everybody and you're excited to do. I mean, this is there is no greater gift that you be able to give back to the Lord than being able to teach children about the Lord. You need to know your students is the next thing. I love this because he looks like he's worried and she's like, I'm up to something. I'm not going to say which one I was growing up. Mm -hmm. no. I, I think I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you need to show them that you care. See, this is one of the things that a lot of the, the younger students, um, and even up to the teenage, if they don't know that you care, that they're, they're not really, they're not there. They may be sitting in that chair, but they're not really there. You need to greet them with a smile. You need to show them love. You need to know their birthdays, their families, their interests. Visit them, send cards. This is how, how you meet their needs, is to actually know what their needs are. And one of the things is, I taught a third grade when my late husband and I first got, when he first got saved, we taught third grade. And it used to kind of irritate some because we would have kids that would they would show up and then they wouldn't. You know, their attendance was not up to them. Right. And whenever that finally got into my thick skull, that they're not in charge of who comes and who doesn't come to church. A lot of them are on the bus ministries too. And you know what? It's whether or not mom <coughs> let them come out of the house. But a lot of those kids, they came every Sunday, begrudgingly came every Sunday because this was free babysitting for mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So they did come, but they didn't want to be there. So it was us greeting them with a smile. You know what? I had people complaining to us because <coughs> I would make things like Rice Krispie Treats or a snack mix. I didn't do cookies and cupcakes and, and stuff like that unless it was a birthday. <coughs> I didn't do that because I knew that most of those kids off that bus did not have a breakfast. So we brought in juice. I didn't bring in Kool-Aid. I didn't bring in things that were a whole lot of sugar. But those kids started coming every Sunday <laughs> because this was the only day of the week that they got something to eat in the morning during the summertime because it, during school time they went to school and they got the free breakfast and some of those were great kids they were crying when they were told that they had to move up to the next grade and they were like will they give us breakfast <laughs> and I you know the other teachers were like you have started something that we can't do and I'm like you know what the store much. brand Rice Krispies don't cost that much and neither do marshmallows and I actually this is a Valentine's free one for you Valentine's Day I found um, different funnels and I made it look like a Hershey's Kiss Rice Krispie Treat mm -hmm. so it was a big thing I shoved that in there I mean it was I may had to make a whole lot for 30 kids our class was one of the largest but it looked like a rice, it looked like a Hershey's Kiss, and the kids loved it. I mean, they came running out of the classroom. They didn't want to eat it. They wanted to show everybody their their kiss, their Rice Krispie kiss. 
<laughs> so it was just showing them that we cared. You need to understand <coughs> attention spans. Mm -hmm. Now this is something that whenever I first had a teaching techniques class many years ago, sort of confused me because it was saying like toddlers, three to four minutes. Well then what do you do with the rest of the hour? It means that whenever you're standing and you're teaching on a story, three to four minutes is all that they can handle for sitting down for that story. So then you have to do something else. So you can do for three or four minutes, then you sing a song. And then you can come back to doing the story. It's kind of like you, you break it up. It's the commercials. That's what you have to do is throw in commercials. This, of course, is old. They are saying that this has now been decreased with most by at least 45 to seconds to a minute because of technology that we have a shorter attention span. But I want you to notice with adults, it is the same as an eight to 10, the eight to 12 year olds. Because adults are so busy in their lives that they can't sit still. And Jack knows with me, I will sit down to do something and we have like electric chairs that fit uh, recliners. Yeah. Um, I love them and I hate them because they're not fast enough. Because I'll sit down, get it up, and go, oh, I forgot. You know, and I can't just, with my foot, I can't it. just climb out of it. So it's, it's not quick enough. But he's like, you will sit down for a while. It's I just remember something. So I, you know, get up and, and go. And it's like, I laugh and go, I ought to be a size two because I never sit. <laughs> but it doesn't work. But understanding that with the ages that you teach, that after a little bit of time, you've got to throw in a commercial and do something else because you're gonna lose them. Before you get to the main point, the application, you're gonna lose them. You need to understand why students, why do we learn? Imago Dei. We are created in the image of God. We are created that way. We're created with the inherent tendency to want to learn. Other words, we're, we have curiosity. You know, even the smallest child up to the older women, <laughs> they say it's just a woman's thing. No, it's no, not. It's we all have curiosity. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. That increased, we look at that in, in English language as being past tense, that he just increased. That word actually was an ongoing. He was continually increasing in wisdom and in stature. It didn't stop. It, it was on and on and on, continuing on in his knowledge, in his learning until you know the only day the, the day that we stop learning is the day is the time when we grow draw our last breath that's when we stop dr sewell says and we scholars go to heaven and god says <laughs> open your book <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> some of us but what we have to understand is how to motivate the, the students for them to want to learn there are three sources of motivation one is that you're motivated because of a need. You know, that need can be anything that you, you need to learn. 
but it also could be because you want to have a job. You need to learn for that job. Other is an interest. If you love music, then you're motivated to learn how to play because of your love of music. The other is a dynamic interaction. A lot of times that's the teacher. But you know what? The teacher can be all three sources of motivation for the child. You can, be, you can show them the need that they have to come to know the Lord. You can in, put into them the interest of learning about the Lord. And it's your encouragement that will motivate them the most. We need to involve the students, and there's so many ways to involve students. Um, having them ask questions. That's one I, I remember growing up. They, they read out of the book, uh, the, the lesson book. There was never any time for us to ask any questions. They didn't allow it mainly because nobody had ever studied the lesson so they couldn't there was we couldn't ask a question they didn't know allowing them to read scripture of course you know if they're you know toddlers they're not going to read it singing you know i made big posters to have kids learning how to sing all kinds of songs asking them to to hold the materials would be the teacher's helper now those of you that whenever I was doing the drama here, um, what most did not understand when I went and picked people to be part of the drama, I would pick the people who were least likely. They were the quiet ones that sat over to the side that needed to be drawn out. You need to look in your classroom to the student that maybe is not the teacher's pet, Get the one who seems like they're not and ask them. The first, just ask them to hold up, hold this up for me. Build them up so that they want to be involved in, in the classroom. You can do different dramas and skits and role play. Have them share an example. Maybe some of them have something in their life that you're talking about that they, they would want to share. Have them standing at the door and welcoming everybody in or welcoming a visitor and then help them, have them help you decorate the class and ask them to pray. That brings out, you know, that quiet one, asking them to pray and just say, you, you, it doesn't have to be long. Just pray for us a little quickly. Just open us in prayer. Doing things like that starts getting them involved in the classroom. You need to motivate with words. And this is one of the things that sometimes we kind of forget with kids is you know we all want to be patted on the back saying things like I'm so thankful you're in my class super job way to go you know there's all kinds of things that we can say but we just have to remember to do it because sometimes we get so wrapped up in the lesson that we kind of forget that they need to be told you're doing a great job am I going to that <laughs> but one thing we don't need to be is we don't need to be unorganized and hectic all of us our lives are hectic enough and some of the students their lives are incredibly hectic and unorganized at home 
They don't need to come into a classroom at church and get the same thing. They need this to be the place where it is calm and it is loving. So you need to know your lesson, you need to be prepared, and you need to begin early in the week and pray. I love the fact that Pastor John said that somebody said that you were stepping on my toes. And he told them I was stepping on mine on what day? Monday. 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 He started ahead. He started on Monday, the day after. I used to do fundraisers whenever I worked with Mills on Wheels in Delaware. And I asked them when they started, you know, okay, we're doing this one for this year. When do y'all start planning for next year's? And they're looking at me going, as we're doing this one, we're planning for the next one. So it's, if you're teaching, it's a continual that is, honestly, it's not having a day break. There shouldn't be a day break from reading the Bible. So as you're reading the Bible, you're preparing for the next week. And if you love the Lord, you want to get closer to Him. Doing that is only growing closer to the Lord. It should be what we want to do. How do you build your lesson? Well, there should be three parts. There should be the introduction, the head, the story, which is the body, and the conclusion or the application, which are the appendages. You need to give the appropriate time for each part. And if you see with this one, you see he's got a great big introduction in the itty bitty body, which means that the story wasn't very much. And then a very big conclusion there, so one right. This one had just a little bit of an introduction there, great big on the story, didn't really have a conclusion. That was what, to me, I grew up in church. That's what I got. There was never an application to how do you apply Noah's Ark to your life. How do you? It was just the stories. It was never an application. So when people would say, read the Bible, it'll tell you what to do, I'm like, even in my 20s, going, where? Because I was never given any applications for anything. It was not until I started reading different books that I started seeing, oh, there's applications to the stories in the Bible. I didn't get it because I was never taught it. It has to be the right proportions. You've got to give an introduction. You've got to have the story, the whatever you're wanting to do. But there's got to be an application. There's got to be a conclusion to it so that the students know that the Bible applies to their life. But when you're writing the lesson, you start with the application first. You start at the finish line because it's the, it's the aim, the goal, the objective that you're doing. But so if you want to teach them about being, you know, your, your, your objective is to teach them to be a better person. Um, you got to start there and then go backwards with it if you're writing it. Now, if you're getting it, if you have a curriculum already given to you, you need to look at the end of it. 
at the end of the lesson and see what that objective they say it is what is it that you're supposed to be teaching they should be telling you in the in the introduction what it is but look at the end of it and then read over the lesson and if you don't feel that that objective at the bottom is clear enough for the age that you're teaching then you come up with the objective that you feel that that lesson because you may, there may be things going on in your students' lives that you know that the objective that they need is different than what the book is trying to teach. That's how you need to know your students and know their lives. If there is no application, then there is no point. If you can't pick up the Bible and see that the Bible is talking to you in your life, then reading the Bible has no point for you. There are a lot of areas of personal application. And I'm glad that he actually put <laughs> these in here um, so that you weren't writing them all down. Because see, everybody's got something going on in their lives. It may be something that's a relationship. There may be something with their family, with their friends, with their neighbors that there can be an application used for They may be fighting with a neighbor. Well, I believe there's a story in the Bible about neighbors that you can use, that you can have some sort of an object lesson illustration to be able to, how do you treat your neighbors? There may be conflicts, and of course, you know, even with kids, if there's conflicts in the parents' marriage, you need to know that. If you know the students well enough, to be able to use this as an application, even with other children, their brothers and sisters, personal burdens. Sometimes we, we forget that young children carry the burdens of their parents' sickness, of the, you know, if there's debt. Children know when their parents are poor because they compare themselves to other kids. See, growing up, I, I thought we were okay because I was little. As I got to be a teenager, here's everybody coming after Christmas, and they're like, this is what I got for Christmas, and this is what I got. And it's like, well, they got stereos, and they got, you know, these brand-new jeans, and they got these designer shirts. I got a box with material in it. Make your own. Right, because my mother and my grandmother made our clothes. We never got designer clothes. You know, we we would get board games and that the family would play together and others would look at me going, a board game, you got Monopoly. You know, it's like, I didn't realize until I got to be in upper junior high and high school that my family was totally different than everybody else's family. That we didn't have, you know, the same money. I didn't have a car to go to town. I lived five miles out of town. We didn't have a car, yet they drove around in town just doing this little circle in this little town. You know, now it seems really stupid, but they just drove the same you know, little thing. But they got to do it. I didn't get to do it. I was different. That was a burden because I felt that I was so different than everybody else. Understanding that would have been a lot easier on me as a teenager if somebody had spoken to us about being content 
with what you have. That would have been, if somebody had just said that, they had taught that, would have been so great, but never. Never did anybody ever talk to us as teenagers about what was going on in our lives. Then there's character weaknesses. This is all ages, you know, teaching them don't lie, don't steal, don't, you know, <laughs> don't hit, don't fight. And then responsibilities. We all have different work difficulties. We have difficulties in church with people. You know, it, it's not just work, it's not just family. But learning all of those are areas that we can have applications from. One of my pet peeves is what I call Christianese. If you're doing a lesson, and it doesn't matter if it's from a book or you're writing it, there are terms that you need to make sure that the people understand. Because if they're brand new saved, and it can be from adult all the way down, if you're saying a lot of these terms, they may not understand them. I used to laugh and, and say that there is the Cation brothers that for years, until I was probably in my 30s, I ever heard somebody define justification, sanctification, edification. They would get up and they would talk about them and it was like I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And I, as an adult, I wasn't going to sit there and go, excuse me, what, what, what are you talking about? I, I don't understand that. There is a lot of terms that we like to use that is within our realm that, that a young child and a newly saved are not going to have a clue. And you know what? Sin is one that in this world now a lot of people don't have a clue as to what that word means because what is good is bad and what is bad is good nowadays. So all of these terms, you need to be careful. You need to be defining them so even the adults understand it. There are a variety of teaching methods. If it's a teacher-centered, the one that honestly is the most boring and most students hate is lecture. And that's the one that most of them use. The only bad teaching method is the one that you use over and over. That's the only bad, the only bad one. The question and answer if you're lecturing is always good if you have students who are wanting to involve themselves in it. Storytelling and object lesson is some of the best. Storytelling is one that though that you have to be a little more animated whenever you're speaking. You have to get into the story. Um, the group centered, buzz groups is actually ones that we did. I didn't know that this was what it was called, but buzz groups is what we did whenever I was in high school that we would have a subject that they would say that okay here's a problem I want you as your group to go over here and discuss and what you can do in your classroom if it's older ones is to find scripture and say how would you handle this how would you go to one of your friends that you know is doing this and how would you confront them what would be your solution to this um, student centered 
to me, drama and skits are one of the greatest ways to get young people involved. Object lessons, though, is the one that I'm mainly going to talk about. I love object lessons because it's one of those things people think they're hard, but they're really, they're not. They're not hard. If you allow the Lord to, to really, if you pray about and you allow the Lord to speak to you, it's amazing how you can see something and go, I see a lesson in that. Mm -hmm. But you start with the application. What is it that you're wanting to teach? Then you got to have the what, the object. Sometimes you see the object and you see the application at the same time. It's like that both of them will come together. And then you locate the scripture and you tie it all together. Now what time am I supposed to go to? Well, you're almost there. 10.30? You said you no, started. The break is at 11.10. Okay. 11.10, yeah. Okay, but I want to teach you. Okay, how do they fail? Because the, the lesson is too abstract. It's like you didn't tie it together real well. There was too much talk. You're explaining. And, and I've, I've watched people go, do you get it? Do you get where I'm going? You, you, you see? You get it? You know, if you're having to do that, and they're looking at you, it's like, they didn't get it. And they're Trust the only me. one that's not getting it. They're not going to say I'm not. Yeah, and, and, no, you can look at their faces. And standing up here, you can actually, you can look at people's faces and go, and you, they'll be going, like, or they fall asleep. The other is your lesson wasn't surprising. Nowadays, with all the technology and with young people, the underneath this one, when I found this, it says if they give you the duh, that you know they already knew this. It wasn't something that was. It's like I already knew that. Well, you know, this is not new. Maybe for you old folks it's new, but if for us young people, we already got it. Last week, there were some major storms that came through. And I said, we sat on our, our back deck, um, and we will read our Bibles in the morning. Well, as I'm sitting there, there was this robin that's hopping across, and it would stop and look and then it would hop some more and I noticed it had like a worm in its mouth and it would go a little bit and stop and look at us and then go and look and I'm like that's really odd it's not flying away it's just hopping through the yard and then it, it did kind of go underneath some bushes and then another one did the same thing or that one again did the same thing and it was so odd how it would it would hop and then stop and look at us and then hop some more, and it was like, you know, I kept thinking, it, maybe it's protecting something. And a little bit later, I saw some movement under our pergola. And it was a small bird that was on one of the chairs. And it was, it was like trying to fly. It was not a baby, but still like young. It had some feathers. But what it didn't have was his tail feathers. And the mom was having to bring it food because it evidently had been blown out of the nest. And, you know, I've been told you don't, you don't mess with them, so I'm letting mom come and feed it. But it wasn't big enough to fly on its own. 
the next day or later that day, I think, I saw it was it gone up the fence and it was on the first rail. It had got up that high, but wasn't big enough to take care of itself. But the mom or the dad one or both of them were still coming and having to take care of that little bird. See, it's it's kind of like us, even as adults. You know, teenagers are ones that that they really think I'm old enough. I got my driver's license. I can cook. I can take care of myself. There's a lot of things in life we don't know how to do, and even as adults, we still need someone helping us. And the first thing I thought of was Hebrews 13:5, where he said, "I will never leave thee." nor forsake thee. That the parents didn't leave that bird just because it was out of the nest didn't leave that bird. And you know, then I thought about the other verse that said that, that the sparrows aren't they more important? God God never stops looking. They're they're still important. That see this was just something that that I'm, I'm like came to my mind. Now if I was teaching it and something, I would go have verses and whatever. But what you can do is literally have like a notebook and look around and you can see objects and go, oh, you know, I know how I could use that. Write them down. And you never know. I mean, I've seen things of like the, there was the, when we were in uh, UAE, and we're out in the desert, and one of the first pictures that we saw was a desert scene. And I told um, Dennis Ebert, I said, that, that reminded me of when we were in the desert, that here's all this red sand, and then there's this, it looked like a dead log, and there was a shoot coming up out of it, and there was, I mean, it was ugly. The plant was ugly, but the flowers on it or white with a purple center. Here's all of this dry, hot, dead, and here's this one beauty right in the middle. I was like, wow, isn't God, isn't God wonderful? That right there, God didn't stop creating because it was a desert and there's, there's very little water Here's a plant that he created that doesn't need a lot of water. It just needs the sun, and God's still protecting it. It gets enough water that it, it needs. It's like you can you can go around and you can see things, but you gotta you gotta write them down. And then, you know, if you see something beautiful, see something strange, uh, the insects. See, and one of the things is to understand that everyday items. Jesus used mustard seeds, salt, um, you know, bread, wine, fish, loaves, you name it. He used everyday items. But the thing of it is, is, is to look at something and look at how it's made, how it's coffee, how it's brewed. You know, it's got to be hot water. You know, it takes a longer time with cold, but if it's hot water, it's a lot quicker. There's, there's things to look at. And you can build lessons on everyday things. That's how Jesus taught, was just using the everyday things around him. It's not difficult. 
See, you have the ingredients now. So now it's time to teach. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. And it gave you some tools to help you grow in Christ and continue to serve Him throughout the coming days. If we can help you in any way, please visit us at hillsidebc.com. We would love to hear from you and hear how God is using His Word and His people to further the kingdom of God. How can you use what you've heard today to continue to serve Him tomorrow?